0: your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.
1: Hi, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. You can follow my co-host, my very esteemed co-host, Tammy Griffin. Follow her at Tammy and G follow the show L O underscore the Longhorns on Twitter. And we are back on a Wednesday and it feels good because we actually have some, some football to talk about And I don't mean we're going to talk recruiting or we're going to talk about our big 12 only schedule that we proposed on Longhorns. Where we actually have some practice notes to talk about, which is pretty exciting.
0: It's about dang time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's July 15th. We expected to have all of spring talk about what was going to happen. You know, who's going to take over this role? Who's going to be the new Z receiver? Who's going to play the Y? Who's going to play the X? Who's going to play linebacker? Who's the Where are they going to put the running backs? Who's the true number two quarterback? We're going to get into some of that. Now, we were hoping to get those answers back in the spring, but it's nice. Even though it's just talking a little bit about practice, they're ramping up because – Pretty soon, they got to do their six-week ramp-up so they can kick off the season on September 5th, we think. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard any news that they're not going to. It kind of felt like they weren't going to, but the Big 12 has said they're not going to make a decision until so late July, so we're at least a week away from any news on a potential mm-hmm. conference-only mm-hmm. schedule.
0: Right, and I think, actually, Texas's athletic director, Crystal Conte, is when He's kind of been one of the most vocal in terms of wanting the season to happen. He mentions if uh, they're able to somehow go about this in the safest way possible and still be within those uh, COVID-19 safety and health precaution guidelines that they're definitely going to play. So it's clear that the Big 12 really wants to play. I think they'll be probably one of the last to make a final decision on how they go about the season. But it's definitely positive in terms of uh, moving forward in uh, any type of football at that.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think they're doing it right. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, and I'm not saying that the Big 12 is better than any other conference in what they're doing. Obviously, the Big 10, the Pac-12 have made a decision that they think is best for them. But I think it's important to not be the first to make that decision. I think it's important to collect all the facts, you know, meet with all the different athletic directors. They have a COVID response team that's led by the athletic director at West Virginia. You know, I think it's important to get all of that, all that data together, you know, whatever policies that they're going to put in place before making a concrete decision on what they're going to do ahead of the September 5th kickoff.
0: Yeah, I I think they're going about it the right way, like you mentioned. And even weeks ago, we were discussing how end of July things will kind of um, become more clear, I guess, and how to move forward, because you're really looking around like a month until season's supposed to start at that point. So you kind of need to make a decision by August. But uh, yeah, we're getting close. And so far, um, it sounds like some type of football will be played. So at least there's a little bit of optimism here.
1: There is a little bit of optimism. So let's get into that. Let's focus on the optimism here. Let's talk a little bit about some of the notes from practice. Our friends over at Twenty Four Seven Sports, Horns Twenty Four Seven to be uh, precise. Talked about. Let's talk about the backup quarterback position.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, you know, we know Sam Ellinger is going to be your guy, right? So that that was never a question. Obviously, there's Casey Thompson. Yeah, um, he's been in the system, or he's been under, in I guess, under Herman last several years this is the first year of mike yursich uh, there really isn't any scenario i think barring injury where casey thompson's not number two
0: Yeah, I think that's a kind of a no brainer, the number one and number two spots, because um, if you had your choice, you would really want Hudson Card and Jaquinda Jackson and um, even Jalen Milrow. when he comes in, you want players like that to be able to redshirt that true freshman season, especially when you have a guy like Sam Ellinger under center. So uh, hopefully there are no injuries to where Casey Thompson kind of has to uh, scoop up and kind of take over Sam Ellinger's role. And then, uh, obviously i think hudson card would kind of fill in that backup role but otherwise as long as ellinger's healthy i think casey thompson no doubt has that backup role he has all the experience under that system um like you mentioned he's been there several years i think he was even a four-star uh, recruit coming out of high school so the talent's there he's a dual threat quarterback and i think it's a very 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 solid backup quarterback position it's a kind of a position that they shouldn't be too worried about this upcoming season
1: i you know and and i agree with you what you're saying there do you and I'm sure you feel kind of like me, but I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. Do you feel like Casey Thompson is starter capable in Texas, or do you think it's going to go straight from Ellinger to Carter to and Jackson?
0: Well, I do think he has the talent to kind of be in that uh, fill-in role, like I mentioned, maybe a part-time starter. I don't know. Um, Obviously, no one really knows how he would do under uh, the big lights and things like that against tough competition. So I think he's obviously going to get that shot at it, and um, I think he can fill in whenever needed, and maybe on like a a few games basis or something like that. But I think, let's say, if Ellinger goes down in week one or week two or something along those lines, and uh, Casey Thompson just looks kind of average or um, is questionable – uh, when he kind of fills in the first few games, I think they'll kind of open up that competition. But I think right now it's his for the taking.
1: Yeah, and you and talk about Thompson. You know, he was the number sixth overall player out of the state of Oklahoma the year that he came out. You know, I think, believe he was like the number 14 dual threat quarterback. So obviously a guy that they feel can play. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of he hasn't really received the opportunity because obviously nobody's going to start over Ellinger.
0: Right. Um,
1: You know, so, you know, I I think that he's talented enough, and I I think he deserves the opportunity. Uh, I just feel like they're probably going to go with one of the young guns next season in Hudson Card or Jacundin Jackson, whoever wins that battle for the 2021 spring. Um, That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch and kind of uh, what will be exciting, I think, next year's battle there. Uh, So let's get into this. So, we've talked a lot about running backs, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we have Bijan Robinson, five star composite, you know, one of the top recruits. And then we have the starter, Keontae Ingram, or the incumbent starter, but he actually's hurt right now, so he's not practicing. And Johnson, Roshan Johnson, your guy. Was taking mm-hmm. all the first
0: team reps? <laughs> I know. Johnson's still kind of my pet cat. Uh, I just love him, I guess, as an all-around player. Obviously, uh, he's very unselfish in terms of the team needs by switching to running back and obviously excelling there. So he decided to stay at that position. But I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities this upcoming season. And it's not really um, a good start for Ingram to come in hurt like that um, with that much break, I guess we should say, that he had. So I think it's kind of a Johnson's opportunity for the taking. But like we mentioned, Ingram's going to be kind of that penciled-in starter for now. But, I mean, that is a very, very tough competition for playing time back there with Bijan, Roshan, and Kante Ingram. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. But I'm sure they'll do some type of running back by committee.
1: Here's an idea. Here's a thought. What if next season Roshan goes back to quarterback?
0: He won't. I think he's doing too well at running back right now. And um, he's kind of a versatile athlete that can be used in a lot of different ways. And I think um, he knows and the team knows that the quarterback position and the talent at that position right now is just way too strong. And if you're looking at the guys coming in even after Hudson Card and uh, JaQuindon Jackson and Jalen Millereau, things like that. So who knows if J- JaQuindon Jackson's even going to stay at quarterback at that point. So I really believe he'll stay at running back.
1: I mean, he probably would be better suited to stay at running back. It's just a thought of if B. John kind of takes over in the, in the late season, but you know, it's, it's not a surprise to see him taking the first team reps right now, especially with, you know, B. John being the young guy coming in this summer. Right. Um, you know, so I think that that's a smart way to go about it, but let's uh, real quick, let's get into Joshua Moore.
0: I thought this was the most important practice note, by the way,
1: Joshua Moore over newcomer Tariq Black for that secondary receiver the z receiver i was a little bit shocked by that because i I figured tariq black would be the one to get it um obviously he has has the size of an x but they were kind of looking at him in that z role
0: yeah, I was a little bit surprised too. But um, you can look at this in two different ways. Either experience. I mean, uh, Joshua Moore has been there since 2018, um, and you can also look at it in terms of talent-wise. I mean, as a true freshman in 2018, he played in those first six games before uh, he suffered a season-ending injury, which people kind of forgot about him at that point. And then obviously in 2019, uh, he had a redshirt season because of suspensions off the field, uh, but he was allowed to practice. So a lot of people think that he was just wasn't anywhere near the program, but he was able to practice and oftentimes people said he looked like one of the best wide receivers um, on the roster at the time even with uh, DuBernay and Johnson still being there but uh, so I think he has a lot of experience in the system and he's very very talented and I, honestly I just think he's kind of forgotten about and so um, he's obviously uh, figured out everything off the field he's returned um, he's able to play this season and I think he has a very very good chance to be a starter.
1: Yeah, I, I do think he has a very good chance. You know, he like you said, he's played in six career games. Um, you know, he was one of the top recruited guys uh, in his class. Uh, he obviously has a talent. Uh, and Texas, and, and the way you got to look at this, Texas doesn't need just one receiver, though. They need multiple. Right. So wherever you can put them. Um, you know, so because when you look at it, I mean, he made, uh, you know, seven catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, so, you know, that was – that shows that he he can provide something for you offensively right. if he gets the opportunity. And I, and I see what you're saying is you you plug him in there. Um, but here's the thing. What if Brendan Eagles says he's not going to play? Like exactly. he said, what if he doesn't? Uh, then you got to move Tariq Black over, I think, because he kind of fits that same role. Uh, Malcolm Epps is involved there. Where do they put him? Mm-hmm. Uh, but just one last interesting note. Juwan Mitchell was at practice.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I was paying close attention to see kind of who was present or not in regards to um, off the field issues. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he was present, uh, but Overshone was not. So I was really curious about Overshown because he kind of mentioned he wasn't going to participate in any type of football related activities uh, while everything was going, going on, I should say. And uh, he was expecting more the school decisions and things like that. But um, I'm unsure, I guess, of how he thought uh, the recent news of um, the changing the name of the stadiums and putting up these statues and things like that uh, would impact him. But um, I guess it's too early to tell.
1: As the college football award watch list season rolls on, we have another watch list, Kami. The Davey O'Brien Award. Uh, Are you familiar with the Davy O'Brien Award?
0: Yes, it's a highly coveted award. I believe that's um, given to the nation's best college quarterback that season.
1: That is definitely it. Uh, So no shock here. Um, Did you know that (laughs) Sam Ellinger is on the list, on the watch list?
0: Yeah, and I thought that was uh, very deserving. And by the way, uh, former Texas quarterback Shane Buschel was also mentioned on the uh, Davy O'Brien preseason watch list. So I thought uh, that was good that they're both having that uh, high of success after their position battle in Austin. But, I mean, it makes sense. I know you and I were discussing on Twitter about how Ellinger actually leads all active FBS players in completions, passing yards, total offense, and touchdowns since the start of the 2018 season. Um, He hasn't missed a game. He started all 27 games for the Longhorns over the past two seasons. He's played through uh, quite a few injuries and obviously we know the type of competitor he is, but um, he even recorded the second most yards of total offense in school history with 4,326 yards in 2019. So um, obviously it's, uh, he has high expectations surrounding him. So I don't think this is necessarily a surprise. We've mentioned that he's probably going to be a Heisman contender, uh, but in terms of the Davey O'Brien award itself, only two former Texas quarterbacks have received it. And it was Vince Young and Colt McCoy. Um, and before that, when it was just awarded to the best, uh, overall player, actually Earl Campbell had received that in the past, but yeah, only two other quarterbacks in Texas history have received that. So I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, Sam Ellinger, also FBS active leader in total offense. Um, Jeez. You know, uh, so, you know, there's a lot to that. I mean, he's, a, he's, he's fantastic. And like you said, second most total offense uh, only to uh, one Colt McCoy. Uh, you know, he, he actually wow. passed Vince Young last season. Um, you know, so there's a lot there. You know, it, it's interesting because you look at it. If he would have been the full-time starter instead of splitting time with Shane Buchel. I actually think it would be a foregone conclusion that Sam Ellinger would hold every single quarterback record career-wise uh, by the time it was all said and done.
0: Oh, I completely agree. I think about that quite often because um, Cole McCoy, it's going to be really hard to break some of his records. I mean, four full seasons and um, how talented and productive he was, it's it's almost impossible to get to that. Um, but I think Ellinger, him being so close in the amount of time he's played is a, uh, I guess pretty eye opening.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that he can continue uh, this next season, you know, provided they play. And obviously, he's going to need a full slate of games to do right. it. Uh, you know, to catch him. But still, I I I don't think that there's nobody's going to look at him negatively if he finishes second in career numbers to Colt McCoy. I mean, when when you think about all time great Texas quarterbacks, Colt McCoy is definitely right up there with it. So, you know, it's not it's not something that you have to look at and say, oh, man, that's, that's terrible. But let's talk about another quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do you pay attention to the 24-7 rankings?
0: I do. That's pretty much the only one I actually look at, to be honest.
1: So there's a quarterback in the upcoming class. Mm-hmm. A Quinn Ewers at a South Lake Carroll. South Lake Carroll, obviously, is a school that produces a ton of college yeah. quarterback talent. Very
0: popular name.
1: It is very popular. Uh, so he is, uh, Quinn Ewers, is the best junior quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence, according to 24-7 Sports.
0: Sheesh. What is, What year is he, actually?
1: He is 2022, so he's going to be the year after Jalen Milroe. Okay. Number one quarterback. In the country, five-star. He's actually listed as the number one prospect.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so that leads me into a lot of directions because even though he could have interest now uh, with it being so on in his recruiting cycle, it really depends. I think he should probably hold off and make a decision, if I were him at least, um, to see who wins that 2021 quarterback battle at Texas. That'll be very interesting to see and how it impacts the recruits from the 2022 class.
1: Yeah, I don't think that he actually is in a rush uh, whatsoever in making a decision as far as where he's going to go. But did you know that he has ties to the Texas Longhorns?
0: I saw um, something posted about that, but I didn't know exactly what.
1: So he actually grew up a Texas Longhorns fan. Okay. Uh, he's been talking with Coach Yersich, and you know, he said he's really cool Really smart. I've talked to him quite a bit. He's easy to talk to. Cool guy. Uh, You know, and and then he kind of went in and talked about a little bit about some other schools. But he said, my whole family is Longhorns. That's pretty cool. I have family near Austin. They all come to the games. I have family in New Braunfels, which is too far. Bunch more family down south. That's where we really moved up here this year amp it up a little bit I'm excited to see what they can do this year so obviously he's he's paying attention to what's going on at the University of Texas you know he talked about you know he's talked with Auburn uh with Chad Morris he's talked with Texas he's talked to Michigan he's talked to Oklahoma and there was a few more that he didn't mention you know so you know it's interesting with with what they're doing at Oklahoma you know getting a Spencer Rattler and then turning around and getting a Caleb Williams you know I kind of feel like Texas I'm not saying that Texas needs to do this as a competition level but Mm -hmm. I think that they do need to have another top tier quarterback and obviously a five-star number one overall prospect in the class that's a guy that Texas Mike Yursich I think really this is what Mike Yursich needs to focus on is getting Quinn Ewers to the University of Texas
0: yeah I agree I think they need a top tier quarterback in almost every class to be safe I mean iron sharpens iron right and I think they are doing that so far. We've mentioned uh, in this 2020 class, Hudson Card to and Jackson, and we have Jalen Milrow coming in behind that. And so I have no doubt that they'll get either a four- or five-star quarterback and probably a very highly touted quarterback in the 2022 class but like i mentioned um that two, 2021 battle for the starting quarterback at Texas is going to be very important and at the same time whoever does win that battle there's no telling how successful they will be on the field um you can't really measure that in practice or anything so um it'll definitely be interesting but yeah i agree they they they're doing well with recruiting i don't have any doubt that they won't land um I guess a highly rated quarterback prospect in the 2022 class. Um, it just depends on, I guess, where probably Uers uh, can get in and start right away. And I don't know if that's going to be at Texas.
1: Yeah. And here's the interesting part of it. And I think the 2020 season is going to be one that can make or break a Quinn Ewers to the university of Texas. Cause I, and I'm not saying this with a hundred percent confidence, but it just gut feeling is if, if the Longhorns have a bad season, uh-huh, seven and six, another eight and five, and they start they start to put some heat on Tom Herman. I think that could sway him to go another direction because a coach like Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma has no pressure whatsoever
0: right, yeah, you know, that's actually you know, a very good point
1: you know so that that's something that i I would keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, I think um, both, uh, I guess, stability in the coaching staff, because there really hasn't been any at Texas in a while. Um, Obviously, kind of Herman reshaped his own staff this season, and uh, he hasn't been there that long to begin with. And obviously, they didn't give Charlie Strong uh, too much of a chance there at Texas, but yeah, I think uh, it's kind of a mix between the coaching staff stability and um, kind of who rises out of that quarterback competition once Ellinger leaves. Uh, that will probably sway him in one direction or another. But like I mentioned, he's obviously talented enough to go to a major program and uh, step in and start immediately, and that's probably what he's looking for. Okay,
1: they finally did it. They're renaming – the football field at Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial stadium. Uh, they're renaming the field who was once named for Joe Jamel. And now they are going with renaming it after two legendary running backs.
0: Mm-hmm. Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. It's going to be called Campbell Williams field, right? Or did I get that backwards? Williams Campbell. I think it's Campbell Williams field.
1: It should be alphabetical, right, Cammy? Um,
0: yeah, I'm like, did I get that backwards? Um, yeah, Campbell-Williams Field, and yeah, I thought, obviously, that was a significant major historic, I guess, move, you could say, and I think those two players and in, in particular, and Earl Campbell and uh, Ricky Williams, are more than deserving of that, and the time they've had at Texas, and how involved they still are in the Austin community, and the Texas uh, athletic programs itself. So um, I know a lot of the current players were happy with that change and it wasn't just a field um, name change, but obviously uh, uh, they're putting more stress on certain departments and putting up uh, certain statues and things like that. So um, just to kind of honor like the first black athlete at the university of Texas and things like that. So I think that was very cool. And I know all the players and coaches were excited about it.
1: Yeah. That was one of the things that they were changing in, in the, um, I guess the findings and and the report that was released by the intern president, Jay Hartzell, uh, you know, they're going to continue to sing the eyes of Texas. uh, But it's sounding more and more like the players don't have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know, I think Juwan Mitchell tweeted out, you know, that's your song if you want it fine, but I'm going to get off the field and celebrate my teammates, which is fine. You know, if that's, if that's what they need to do, Right. And so this is right. just one of those things that they were doing. And I, and I love the idea of, of naming it after Earl Campbell and, and Ricky Williams. I, I, don't, like, I, I feel like those guys don't get enough recognition for what they did for the University of Texas as the only two Heisman Trophy winning players ever to put on the burnt orange.
0: Right. And not only that, but I don't think they get enough uh, credit or respect for what they're continuing to do in the Austin community and for the Texas football program. I mean, it seems like they're always in town around that program doing what they can, or I guess advising with certain players and things like that. So yeah, I thought it was really cool and I'm sure they're ecstatic about it.
1: Yeah, I know. Cause if you, if you watch the Longhorn Network, you can kind of, you kind of see Ricky Williams more because he does some of the you know, he would be some part of that panel that would talk about mm-hmm. the games. You know, and so you know, I think he does, but I I don't think that people are really aware of how much Earl Campbell does. You know, right. and, and you know, he has his own things that he works on as well. You know, as far as the the Tyler Rose Earl Campbell Award or Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. Uh, you know, so there's a lot going on there, but you know, I think it's great. It, it's a positive thing. Uh, but on the current football news. We have a top-tier tight end that is coming for another visit.
0: I know, and I thought this was interesting. So Gunnar has kind of had a – I know he's a three-star tight end prospect right now, but he's 6'5", 225. He kind of had a, a – I guess his recruiting trail kind of took off late. Uh, he's recently received several big time offers and um, he's taken his time, though it sounds like he's a 2021 uh, prospect. I don't know if I mentioned that part, but I know Wisconsin and Iowa have kind of been two of his top programs that he's interested in. Uh, but all the news and even, uh, what people are hearing out of Iowa and Wisconsin is that he's very interested in Texas. Uh, there's a lot of buzz around that offer so far. Um, and he's actually taking a visit to Austin on Monday on his own, by the way, uh, to kind of fill out the city and things like that. And a lot of people believe it's just kind of that, uh, last, that last step, I guess, in his recruiting process before he checks off that box and, um, I know he's talked about Ohio State a couple of times and um, a lot of recruiting directors have. And they mentioned uh, that would be the only offer kind of to sway him away from Texas at this point. And Ohio State is yet to offer. So I think that's good news for the Longhorns. And um, he could probably even uh, push up to a four star prospect by the time it's all said and done. But I think that's huge news for Texas and definitely at a position of need.
1: Yeah, the interesting part about it is he actually on June 24th actually took an unofficial visit to Ohio State. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, on Monday he's going to do an official visit with unofficial visit with Texas. They can't do official visits during the NCAA's dead period, um, so obviously this is something he's doing on his own, like you said. Um, you know, but it is going to be—it's a little bit interesting. You know, Texas and Ohio State are the only two that he's actually taking these unofficial visits where he just shows up to the campus. You know, checks out. Mm-hmm. You know, probably mixes it up with some of the guys on there. I mean, there's nothing that says he can't. You know, talk to players and whatnot. Uh, You know, he just can't have the face-to-face visit with with coaches and and teams. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out. Is that going to sway him? Being down in Austin, I think being on the campus and and kind of seeing what's going on, I think that only helps Texas in their pursuit of this guy. Like you said, he has the Iowa offer, and a lot of people thought maybe Iowa would be the place to go, obviously because Iowa produces so much NFL talent out of the tight end position.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well, and uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess in Georgia even offered him as well. So he's gotten a lot of big time offers uh, as of recently. So I think this is a, a really good sign for Texas moving forward. And I know he's one of the top tight ends in that class. So hopefully they can snag him.
1: Yeah, let's let's hope him, and we'll keep our eye on that situation to see when exactly he's going to make his decision, where it's going to be. Hopefully a Texas, at tight end position. Is is a weird one at Texas because they have some guys with talent who were kind of pushed down because of Cade Brewer, Malcolm Epps. You know, they, they moved the Reese Lee over to defensive end. Mm-hmm. going to play a jack role along with uh, Joseph Asai. And then you have some of the. Have, uh,
0: Jared Braden Wiley's L- back there.
1: Jared Wiley, my guy, Braden Librock uh, mm-hmm. out of Arizona. He is talented. I think he, he kind of. He kind of fits that role to that new school uh, pro football tight end where he's really just a big slot. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Long Work Podcast. For Tammy and Patrick, keep it locked on.
0: Hook them.